What's up, everybody? Before we get started with chapter 19, I would like to add some information that I was unable to fit into the last two episodes covering uh, chapter 18 and the grief over the fall of Babylon. I feel like it is relevant to helping you understand the fall of Babylon and paints a better picture regarding the events surrounding uh, the destruction of Babylon along with the setup for Armageddon. With the sixth bowl, the Euphrates River dries up, allowing the Antichrist and his army, along with the kings from the east, to cross over as they uh, cross over the Euphrates as they make their way to uh, northern Israel, in order to you know finally wipe out the remaining Christians and Jews that have resisted the rule of the Antichrist, and you know try to prevent the return of Christ. Uh, as well, and his millennial kingdom. Remember, God calls out those who are hiding in Babylon, and they go to Jerusalem to find refuge. Um, remember, he called out the ones. He told them to come out of her you know, before he issued uh, the final judgments. He told them to come out um, so that they wouldn't be caught up in her sin and in the judgment that was coming. And so they take refuge in Jerusalem. So the Antichrist gathers up an army to go and destroy all those who follow God and who are hiding uh, and taking refuge in Israel, I mean in Jerusalem. So now with Babylon left unattended, a rebellion takes place. God raises up an army from among the nations to come and lay siege to Babylon and raise it to the ground, destroying its lands and people and likely pillaging it for all its riches and treasures. At least some of them probably did. This is the first wave of God's final destruction of Babylon. The second wave comes shortly after, which is the seventh bold judgment. When God uses an earthquake and a hundred pound uh, hailstones to finish it off, killing the remaining people uh, who were there, namely probably the ones that captured the city. If any survive, they definitely flee because uh, scripture states that the city becomes desolate, only inhabited by demons and unclean uh, animals, which could also be um, symbolic of you know demons as, as well. So, and we never you know, and we know that the city never rises again; it remains desolate forever. The final destruction of Babylon leaves Jerusalem as the only remaining city that hasn't been you know destroyed, leaving the Antichrist one place to go if he has to maintain control. Now. Who are the nations and kings that rebel against the Antichrist in the end? You know, wait, I thought that all ten kings give the kingdoms, uh, give their kingdoms and authority over to the beast, right? You know, and come under his rule. That's what scripture said earlier, correct? Revelation seventeen seventeen says, For God has put it into their hearts to accomplish his purpose by agreeing to hand over to the beast their royal authority until God's words are fulfilled. The key word here is until, until. So initially they do give their authority and loyalty to the beast, but at some point God's word, most likely regarding uh, Babylon, you know, his word is fulfilled and he causes these kings to rebel and march on the city. Remember, we read the, the judgment cycle, all the events described in them happen instantly and all at one time, but as it pertains to the final judgment, and especially the seventh bowl, it happens over a period of time. 
you know, i.e. the earthquake and the hailstones don't come at the same time. Revelation 16, 17 through 18 says, The seventh angel poured out his bowl into the air, and out of the temple came a loud voice from the throne, saying, It is done. Then there came flashes of lightning, rumblings, peals of thunder, and a severe earthquake. So once the seventh angel pours out his bowl, symbolizing that the seventh bowl judgment has been set into motion, like dominoes being set up and the first one is tipped over, then the next one, and so on, it is the same with the angel pouring out his bowl. It sets the domino effect into motion. Look at how it says, after the bowl is poured out into the air, God says, it is done. Then came the lightning, rumblings, thunder, and finally a great earthquake. Could it be that once the angel poured out his bowl and God said it was done, that there was some window of time that the armies from the north came and attacked the city while the Antichrist and his armies were away? That could very well be the the window of time. It could have been that when God said they would give their loyalty uh, and their royal authority over to the beast until his word was fulfilled, that could have been the fulfillment of it right there when he said, it is done. But nonetheless, you know, we'll move on. So nobody knows for sure. It's hard to say for sure. But I do know that it happens after the sixth bowl, which dried up the Euphrates River, allowing the Antichrist and the kings from the east to make their way to northern Israel. And it happens, and it has to happen before the earthquake starts followed by the hailstorm, because that is the finale. Let's uh, take a look at what the prophets Isaiah and Jeremiah wrote regarding this particular event, uh, regarding the, the rebellion that I'm speaking of. So Isaiah 13 and, and 47 speak high, uh, very heavily on Babylon's destruction. But as it pertains to this matter, all of Isaiah 13 is very informative. It describes with detail what happens regarding this rebellion or attack on Babylon and paints a picture that is strikingly similar to what John writes regarding the wailing or mourning and the terror felt by everyone who sees its destruction. It's also, it also gives us insight that not everyone is killed. Some will flee to their native lands, but anyone caught will be killed. You know, anyone caught in, the, caught in the city of Babylon when they invade it will be killed. So, Isaiah 13.3 says, I have commanded those I prepared for battle. I have summoned my warriors to carry out my wrath. Isaiah 13.4-5 says, Listen, a noise on the mountains like that of a great multitude. Listen, an uproar among the kingdoms like nations massing together. The Lord Almighty is mustering an army for war. They come from faraway lands. From the ends of the heavens, the Lord and the weapons of his wrath uh, to destroy the whole country. Talking about Babylon. Verses 6 through 8 describe in amazing detail the very same picture that John describes regarding all those that look upon the destruction of Babylon, referring to the king, you know, the land merchants and the sea merchants, etc., mentioned in the previous episode. We know that Isaiah was not talking about the Medo-Persian Empire that conquered Babylon in Daniel's day because that was essentially a bloodless battle or a bloodless takeover. Um, there wasn't any, any real bloodshed regarding that conquering when the Medo-Persians conquered uh, the Babylonian Empire. But Isaiah 13.9 clarifies it for us. It says, See, the day of the Lord is coming. 
a cruel day with wrath and fierce anger to make the land desolate. Again, talking about Babylon. And destroy the sinners within it. Again, we know that happens as well. This is referring to the final destruction of Babylon when the seventh bowl judgment is complete and Babylon is rendered desolate and the people caught in it are destroyed. You know, verses 10 through 13 are describing God's final judgments. But look at 13. Therefore, I will make the heavens tremble and the earth will shake from its place as the wrath of the Lord Almighty in that day of his his burning anger. Referring to his final judgment in the last days, his anger burns against those slaughtered, those who slaughtered his people and committed spiritual adultery with, you know, with Babylon. But nonetheless, it sounds just like what happens with the seventh bowl judgment, right? I mean, in, God, uh, in the seventh bowl judgment, in the earthquake, in the hailstorm, in that last judgment, it talks about how the mountains will will basically disappear, and the islands will disappear, and the mountains, you know, will crumble and and be gone. So Jeremiah 50 and 51 speak to this rebellion as well. But since it is a lot of info, I will leave that to you to read. But I will make note of a few things. Jeremiah 50 verse 3 says, For a nation has come up against her out of the north. It will make her land an object of horror, and there will be no inhabitant in it. That's another clue that we know that this is talking about the end time during during the time of the Antichrist. Jeremiah 50 verse 9, For behold, I am going to arouse and bring up against Babylon a horde of great nations from the land of the north, and they will draw up their battle lines against her. From there she will be taken captive. Jeremiah fifty forty one. Behold, a people is coming from the north, and a great nation and many kings will be aroused from the remote parts of the earth. Now, Jeremiah fifty one twenty seven through 28 gives us the picture of who this army is and where they come uh, and where they come from. It says, Summon against her the kingdoms of Ararat and Mani and Ashkenaz, Ashkenaz and consecrate the nations against her, the kings of the Medes, their governors and all their uh, prefects and every land of their dominion. So the kings and nations from the north that rebel and attack Babylon, destroying its land and people, consist of areas of Turkey, uh, Armenia, southern Russia, and the Black Sea area, and the Medes, um, which we know the that the Medes come from the um, Iran area. So uh, remember, the map... Uh, in those days will look very different and there will only be 10 kingdoms. So maybe the areas that Jeremiah is describing unite to form, you know, one or two or more of those, of those 10 kingdoms or something to that effect. Now, Jeremiah fifty-one thirty-one brings it to a close. One courier runs to meet another and one messenger to meet another to tell the king of Babylon that his city has been captured from end to end. This is how the king of Babylon or the Antichrist will find out that his city, uh, the capital of his empire, has been has been captured and subsequently destroyed. He will be in agony, uh, I'm sure, and distressed and want to lash out at, at uh, Jerusalem and God's people who take refuge there. You know, they those people will become the focus of his anger 
as well as confronting the returning king in the final battle, which will be Armageddon, all the other nations and kings will be gathered under the banner of the Antichrist for the final showdown. I find it so befitting that God used the beast to destroy all the false religions and practices of worship that came out of the harlot of Babylon throughout the ages, you know, and consolidating them into one religion. And so all the evil practices and and all of that consolidated into one religion with the unholy trinity as its head. Now God only now God only has to eliminate one religion and the three leading it in order to wipe out the spirit of Babylon and bring an end to her adulterous ways and ungodly practices and free the world from her grip. Then God uses some of those once loyal to the beast to lay waste to Babylon and its people, after which God finishes it, finishes it, making it a desolate place forever with the seventh bowl judgment, uh, with Jerusalem being the last remaining inhabitable city, uh, most likely, um, and the focus of the Antichrist's attention, you know, being on those on God's people, you can begin to see how God has orchestrated everything with precision, using his very enemies to carry out his plan and will, gathering all his enemies into one area, setting the stage for their destruction with the return of Christ. This shows once more that nothing and no one is outside of his control or plan. God is always at work, working things out for the good of those who love him. The same way God uses his enemies to do his will, he can and will use your enemies to bless you, to set you up for greater things, things that God has destined for you. Okay, that's it, guys, for today. Now it is time to move on to the marriage supper of the Lamb and the battle of Armageddon. Don't miss it. Join me for the next episode as we get even closer to finishing our study on Revelation. Of course, ending with Eden, the Garden of Eden, being restored. God, thank you so much. You are an awesome God and a good, good Father. Always at work in our lives, always there in our time of need, always willing to walk through the storms and valleys with us. Thank you, Jesus, for stepping down from your throne and leaving the glory of heaven to enter a dark world and scatter the darkness with the light of your love and redeem man with the finished work of the cross. God, we face some chaotic times and even darker times ahead, but our faith, hope, and security rest solely with you. And as long as you are on the throne, our hope and eternity is secure. Jesus, guide us with your love and give us purpose in what we do. Give us wisdom, understanding, and discernment for the days ahead. And let us remember to praise you even when the mountain is in our way, because you are always, always faithful and worthy to be praised. Amen.